And then Tuesday evening, we will be live on uh, GLC uh, all over the prime time of the Southwest from 8 till 10. And, of course, Cheryl and Christy will both be there. And they will probably be open the presentation with a couple of songs. And then at the halftime, since we have two hours, they usually sing a couple more. And then at the end, while I start praying for people, they usually close out with at least one more song. So they're going to sing today for us. This is the, the CD that uh, Cheryl wrote all the music for, and, and Christy, her daughter, uh, they worked for months uh, putting this uh, CD together. Many of you have heard the whole CD. We got it back there. It's ten songs called Soza Me, Lord, and uh, that, that CD is available to you to take home with you. It's free, and you can enjoy this music. But right now, we're going to enjoy them singing five of these songs for us in the next few minutes. Praise the Lord, honey. Honey. Thank you. Who are you calling, honey? So to me, Lord, you are my living Savior. So to me, Lord, partake of the divine nature. Save me, heal me, take me home, deliver me, preserve me. will appear to heal you every time if you will only believe his word never waver down a line so to me Lord you are my living Savior so to me Lord Take the divine nature, save me, heal me, make me whole, deliver me, preserve me, make me your own. The Lord is your boy's work on the earth. Repent, confess your sin, stand on his word. Walk holy before the King of the universe. All his thoughts and promises are yes and amen. So me, Lord, you are my living Savior. So me, Lord, partake of the divine nature. Save me, heal me, make me whole. Deliver me, preserve me, make me yours. Walk in love, an example of Jesus Christ. Think like God, not like man. God wants your faith in His Word. Walk in divine health, be obedient. No more. So to me, Lord, you are my living Savior. So to me, Lord, partake of the divine nature. Save me, heal me, make me whole. Deliver me, preserve me, make me your own. 
We're glad God has birthed the poor. We're children of the King. Sanctified, washed clean in the blood. Talk to God. He's listening. Pray over everything. Believe in your heart. He'll do it for you. Lord, you are my living Savior. So to me, Lord, partake of the divine nature. Save me, heal me, make me whole. Deliver me, preserve me, make me your own. So to me, Lord, you are my living Savior. So to me, Lord, partake of the divine nature, save me, heal me, make me whole, deliver me, preserve me, make me your own. So to me, Lord, so to me, Lord, so to me, Lord, so to me, Lord, so to me, Lord. Do you, you see how many people we're singing out there? I know. They know it. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to get a little funky here in church. Just a little. God's kingdom is at hand. Worship and praise the king. God forgave our sins. Jesus bore our pain. He healed all our disease. Commit yourself to God. Be the man that Jesus was. And put God first in your life. Repent, kingdom of God's in hand. Repent, worship and praise the King. Repent, God forgave us sin. Repent, Jesus bore our pain. Repent, He healed our disease. Repent. His rules are very clear. Repent. Love others as he loves. Repent. Quick to forgive and hold no grudge. Repent. Speak only good in love. Repent. Give, forgive, forgive. Seven times seventy. Repent. Do not. Steal or cheat or lie. Speak no evil, God. Only peace. No sex before marriage. Honor your parents. Tell God you're sorry, and He will restore you. Just 
God will never leave you. Repent. God will never forsake you. Repent. Sin brings forth death. You better read God's word. Repent. You're held accountable. Commit yourself to God. Repent. Be the man Jesus was. Repent. Put God first in your life. Repent. He commands you to walk in love. Repent. God loves you and forgives all our Merciful, receive him and sin no more. Be holy, walk in love. Confess your sins, repent, repent. God is merciful, receive him and sin no more. Be holy, walk in love. Confess your sins, repent, repent. God is merciful. Receive him and sin no more. Be holy, walk in love. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) This next one goes out. I read this song back in 95. What will it take for you to reach out? What will it take for you to feel? children need you now I wrote this during the Bosnia-Croatia war I saw the pictures and this made this song come about this is for all the children for Hurricane Katrina and Rita What will it take for you to reach out? What will it take for you to feel? Pain is all around. The children need you now. You gotta be one who cares you gotta be the one who shares they're waiting there for you the children need you too Touch 
the reason why we're here. God's gift is love. The children live in was inspired by Dr. Ty Davenport. Because <laughs> that little funkier side of us.
song because this is what my life's all about loving and serving Jesus
Pastor Thurman Scrivener. Oh, also, my mother's here today, and it's her birthday. Ken Butler. Yeah, praise the Lord. You did really good. Yes, you did. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I don't know where she got that. She said, I did really good. All I did is stand over and praise God. I listened to him sing. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I tell you what, if you will listen to those songs, if you'll really take those songs and listen to those, the words of Jesus is in those songs. I mean, as I listened to Cheryl sing those coming over here today, I knew she was practicing, so I was just sitting there praying and quietly listening to the words, like I've never listened to those words before. But I listened to the words of those songs, and I thought, you know, All the gospel is in those words. Everything you'll ever need is in those songs. If you just had those songs hidden in your heart, they're there. If you'll let those words become real to you. Now, don't do any good just to sing them. They've got to become real to you. We're going to talk about that in detail today. It's what happens when you know the will of God. Most people don't know what the will of God is. Just like that song she sang, My Daddy's Will. He left us a book that was his will. And the average Christian has no idea what's in the pages of this book. Now then, when you learn that you're on God's side as his child, you're not having to beg him to do something he's reluctant to do. You're now in a war between, that's between you and the devil. And the devil's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God's not the author of death and destruction. It's the devil. 
And the Lord has delivered us out of all of that and given us all power and all authority over the enemy. And I think about just last week as we stood here and as we prayed, as I thought about little uh, Brietta Cronin and how she was in such bad shape, you know, and the doctors had nothing but negative things to say. Uh, but we prayed Sunday and we came against the forces of darkness. We demanded that they get their hands off of that little girl. And then we asked the Father in the name of Jesus to move by the power of the Holy Ghost and begin to move in her little body and make everything in her body work perfect. Here she is laying here nearly three months premature, just a little tiny two-month-old baby. You know, nothing is complete yet. But I mean, I I know all of y'all, many of y'all, maybe not all of you, but many of you continued to pray for her this week. I know many of you did. And I'm telling you, your prayers were heard. Every day, that little girl dramatically got better. Every day. See, that's the battle we're fighting. You know, we can't just pray one prayer and give up. We have to continue to pray, realizing that our answers is always yes. But the devil don't just lay down and play dead on the first prayer. You know, the beast is tough. You know, and I, I thought about... I thought about what I preached on last Sunday whenever I watched the exodus from the Gulf Coast coming up the turnpike or the freeway, I mean. I thought about all those people coming up both sides of the freeway, coming, everybody's coming north, exodus out of the Houston-Galveston area. I thought, you know, if everybody that was in that group, including from our president down, if everybody believed the message I preached last Sunday, we would never have had to have that exodus. There would have been no storm. Do you realize that? God told us in His Word so clear, if you will be obedient and serve me and do what I tell you, not do it your way. I don't care what you think. If what you think don't line up with the Word of God, then I'm not interested in listening to your thoughts. If you're willing to talk to me junk and trash and say, but I believe this and that, if it don't line up what's written in this Word, then you can take what you got to say and throw it out the window because I ain't got time to listen to you. But if you got the Word of God hidden in your heart, I'll listen to you when you talk. But when you talk, I want to hear the Word of God coming out of your mouth. I'll sit down and talk to you if you got some Word in you. You know, the other day I had a man come out to sit in the ministry center to me. And when he walked in, he sat down. He said, I want to do what you do. I want the anointing you got. Well, let me tell you, that man had some word in him. I sat there and talked to that man for hours. He was the first good, strong, healthy man I've had the privilege to minister to in a while. But he was strong and healthy. But he had a lot of word in him. And he wants to do what I do. Well, I'm grateful that there's young men out there that want to do what I do. Because this young man, he has hidden the word in his heart. I mean, he had some word in him. I enjoyed talking with him. Every time I'd say something, he'd say, that's written in John or Exodus or whatever. And he'd quote me a scripture. I think, this is my kind of man. This is my kind of man. Is that right, James? That's my kind of man. I can sit and talk to you because he's got the word in him. Now, don't come in talking to me and telling me about all the things of the world. You know, what happened on TV last night or about your favorite soap opera, you know, or who did somebody wrong last night on the TV. I ain't got time to even listen to that junk. I don't even want to hear it because I don't want to feed the trash of the world into my heart. I don't want it in there. I only want the things of God in my heart. Now then, if we as Christians 
would just begin to believe those promises that God made us. If every Christian, just the Christians that were in Houston, if every Christian was on their knees repenting, and every Christian went to church, and every Christian read their Bible every day, and every Christian worshipped and praised God, if they had done that, just the Christians, I'm going to tell you, it wouldn't be long till the whole Houston area would be Christian. Because they would see the power of God working in your life. They would see you walking in no sickness and no disease. Because God promised it to His obedient children. No sickness and no disease. Power over the enemy. He promised it to us. Wow. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we discuss your word today, I ask you to anoint me with the Holy Spirit and fire. I ask you to anoint every person out here with the Holy Spirit and fire to receive your word today. Because what I'm going to teach him is right out of your word. Now, Lord, these are your words. They're not mine. They're yours. So I ask you to take your words and I ask you to convict every one of us of what we need to be doing as your sons and daughters. And I want to worship you and praise you and thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I'm also coming to the throne of grace again on behalf of little Brietta. Lord, we're coming up here together. We're kicking that devil out of her. We're commanding the demons of hell to get out of that hospital. And all them little children, when I was over there the other day, all them demons that are trying to torment and kill and shorten the lives of all them babies, Satan, we serve notice on you. We command you in the name of Jesus as sons of God to get out of that hospital. And we ask you to move by the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, and send your angels in there and touch them little babies and heal them and raise them up and make every one of them supernaturally strong. Do a great and mighty work in their completing of their development so they can all go home beautiful, healthy children. And Lord, right now, I rebuke the spirit of doubt that will come upon those children, command that demon to leave, and I ask you to send the mighty Holy Spirit to convict every one of those little children and their parents in that hospital of sin and draw every one of them into the kingdom of God and save them gloriously and use every one of them mightily for your kingdom. And Lord, especially for little Brietta, I ask you to anoint that little girl with an anointing that will be so powerful that when she gets out of that place, she'll come up and be raised up. Her mother and daddy and brothers and sisters will direct her and raise her up. And she'll come, become such a woman of God. She'll be used mightily for the kingdom of God. Now, Lord, for Johnny. Johnny Todd back here. The devil's been beating up on him. Satan, I serve notice on you in the name of Jesus. I command you to get your hands off of Johnny in the name of Jesus. Now, our Jesus bore our sickness, removed our disease, and gave us all power over you, devil. So, devil, I am commanding you, I am demanding in the name of Jesus, according to the Word of God, according to Luke 10, 19, and 20, that you get your demons of sickness off of Johnny, and you go put them somewhere else. But we don't want them. Now, Father, I ask you to send warring angels to walk around him and his wife and protect them and keep them safe from the devil. And ask you to move by the power of the Holy Ghost and move into his flesh. And Lord, ask you to move by the power of the Spirit and do a supernatural healing on him. Now you said in Mark eleven twenty three, whatever I say with my mouth, if I believe it with my heart, I can have it. So Johnny, you will receive a supernatural healing from the King. And his name is Jesus. Lord, thank you, Father, in Jesus' name for giving us power and authority over the demons of hell. Lord, thank you for dying on that cross and giving us this power. Now Lord, we use it mightily to bring glory and honor to your name. And we praise you and thank you for the day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, praise God. Cheryl and Christy sing in the song a while ago, My Daddy's Will. Well, I hear people all the time saying, Well, if it's God's will.
If you don't know more about the Bible than that, this is one of them cases where you might as well keep your mouth shut. If you don't know what God's will is, then just don't talk. Go get your Bible and find out what His will is and then come back to Him. But I'm going to show you a few things today that is His will for you. Now, I used to make statements about the Word of God a long time ago when I didn't know nothing about it. And I'd make statements I should have kept my mouth shut. Because I'm going by what I thought somebody else said. Now then, just to start off with, I want to tell you that this last week I had another attack from the devil myself on my left leg. I hear I am fighting the fight of faith. Ty, over here, he is a doctor. And he called me and talked to me and uh, he was telling me something. He said, Thurman, if you wasn't a man of faith, I'd have you in a hospital right now. But he said, I know you're a man of faith and I know you ain't going to that hospital. I said, that's right. I ain't going to no hospital. So I said, I'm fighting the fight of faith. He said, well, at least take some vitamins and get in that bed and put your feet up. I said, I got things to do. So he called Cheryl. And between him and Cheryl, they hogtied me and (laughs) (laughs) tied me down in the bed and made me lay in the bed with my foot elevated because it was all bloodshot and looked awful and everything. But after all, you know, they're just medium people of faith, you know. (laughs) <laughs> Wait a minute! <laughs> I, I retract that statement, Lord. I forget. <laughs> oh, goodness! Praise God. Anyway, you know, you have to fight the fight of faith. You know, I mean, I felt like the devil was after me last week. I mean, he was really there. I mean. Rosemary was so nice to me. She come over there, and while I was laying there in the bed, you know, she gave me a nice massage and worked on my legs, my shoulders, and all those things, you know, to make the blood flow. Everybody was doing everything they could to help me in the flesh. Everybody. So I'm laying there on that bed, and after, you know, I'm all by myself now. Cheryl's over filling orders and everything. And I said, God, I sure do need a word from you today. You know, I'd just like to, I'd like to hear your voice. And I just took my Bible and throwed it on the bed. When I throwed it down, it fell open like this. And let me thumb to where it fell, because I could never make that happen myself. My Bible fell open to this page, and I just throwed it over there. I said, Lord, I need a word from you. Bam! I threw it, I hit right on the back and opened. And my eyes fell right here on this scripture. Himself, Jesus, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. I just closed it up. I said, God, I don't need nothing else. That's all I needed was that last little word from you. If you bore my sickness, praise God. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what that devil says. I don't care if my leg's all swelled up. I don't care if it's all bloodshot. And I don't care if Ty tells me that that can turn loose and and my heart can stop or I could have a stroke and a heartbeat. I said, I know he's a man of faith too, but I ain't believing nothing except what the word says. Praise God. I ain't believing nothing but what the Word says. And so then Thursday we're going to pour concrete. You know, Cheryl said, now you can't be out there on that concrete. This one time I said, woman, get in that building and sit down. I'm going to pour concrete. (laughs) 
I wasn't trying that hard on her. I'm just kidding you. But I was out there, and I was trying to help them a little, and I was sitting there in the chair. She comes running out there with another chair, picks my foot up, puts it in her lap. <laughs> She's doing everything in the world. She said, I don't want that devil to take you out. I said, don't worry, honey. He ain't going to take me out. I mean, you've got to be a man of faith, right, Eldon? You've got to be a man and woman of faith. You know, so, but it is tough. It is tough to be a man of faith. I got tickled at Ty the other day when he said, whatever that devil caused him to actually pass out underneath that house when he was telling the other Baptist preacher with him to pray. And Ty told him when they come out, he said, it's, it's a good thing it was me instead of you. Because if it had been you, although I'm a man of faith, he said, I'd had my pocket knife out putting a trach in here. <laughs> Is that what you said, Ty? <laughs> See, he's a man of faith when it's his body, but he would... Huh? Oh, nobody's heard this? Come up here, Ty. <clears throat> You've got to tell this testimony right here. Yeah, this is an awesome testimony of faith. I wasn't going to take any testimonies today, but he's, this is, I forgot, he hadn't heard this. This is, this is great. This is, this is a faith builder, folks. Now, just listen to what God did, how he put him to the test. And we have a picture of Thurman sitting out there in the shade, <laughs> watching him for a at the fire by <laughs> we serve an awesome daddy, is all I can say. And when you have faith, you know, things just happen. And I was under the house, I had a plumbing problem, and I've always fixed my own plumbing problems. But this time I had something I couldn't figure it out. So I called up this preacher, excuse me, this plumber. And so the plumber got under the house with me. I showed him what was going on. He couldn't figure it out either. It was it was backing up through our our uh, ice maker. And so we were looking at trying to figure out what it was. So finally he said, "Well, let's saw this in, in two and see what's in that. See what's in there." So we saw the, the drain pipe in two. And as we were sawing it, we hit the top of my my house. We have a pier and beam, so we're up under there and hit that insulation. And some of this insulation came down and, and I aspirated it. Breathed it into my trachea, and I could I could feel my trachea collapsing. And so I, I was I was very quickly getting to the point where I couldn't breathe. So the man said, "I'm going I'm going to get help." I said, "No, just lay hands on me and pray." <laughs> he said, "Pray?" I said, "Yeah, just pray." But by now, and just you know, just having a hard time. I knew what was going on. I knew the the trachea was slowly collapsing down. And so I immediately told Dad, I'd been fasting that day. I said, Lord, you, your word, your word says, No evil shall befall me, nor any plague come near my dwelling. Mm-hmm. Now, that's your word, Daddy. If I make you my refuge and my rock, if I run to you when I'm having trouble, that's your word, Daddy. So I pointed up to the ceiling. I said, Now, Daddy, that's your word. Now, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, get your filthy hands off of me. And now I, can, I can't breathe anymore. <laughs> He just, the guy says, I'm leaving. I said, I grabbed him. I said, no, right, right. <laughs> and I started passing out. And my last thing I said is, Daddy, Daddy, you're my refuge. And, and then I passed out. And then just like that, I woke up and I was fine. Well, yeah, I was really, thank you, Daddy. So we got out from under the house. And this man says, you know, it's really amazing what a man will do when he's dying. So I got to talking to this man, and this man had gone to Baptist Seminary School and become a preacher, and 
He couldn't make enough money to support his family, so he became a plumber. And so the man came back over to the house just a couple of days ago. This happened, this happened a week ago, a couple of weeks ago. Came back over to the house. He said, Ty, I just want to thank you. And I said, for what? He said, you've changed my life. I said, no, I didn't. Daddy did. He says, yeah. Yeah, he has. Because now I didn't realize the personal relationship that each one of us can have with Daddy. All we've got to do is realize he's our daddy. All we've got to do is cry out to him and run to him when we're hurting. And when we're, when we're dying, daddy, daddy. And, and that's, that's what saved my life. And it touched him. And so now I, I didn't realize at the time, why did this happen? When I got out from under the house, and then the other day when he came back, I realized, I realized why daddy had this happen. This man's on fire for the Lord now. <laughs> he might be a plumber just like Smith Wigglesworth, but he's got a whole new attitude toward, toward daddy. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Wow. That's an awesome testimony. You talk about putting you to the test even unto death. That is an awesome testimony. Now, I hope the Lord doesn't do that to any of you this week. You know, because he knew where he was in his faith walk. But if you will be obedient to serve God, and you know what this will is. And that's the, that's the whole thing. Ty had learned what God's will was. He had read the will. He knew it was God's will to save him. And he said that Baptist guy over there was praying, Oh God, if it be your will. You know, Oh God, if it be your will. Well, see, that's not a prayer that gets heard. you got to know. And he knew what his will is. So, anyway, I'm going to show you some things. Then, what is the will of God for his children? So, today, I'm going to start out in 1 John 1, and I'm going to show you some things that is God's will. Now, this is only going to be a few of them. Only going to be a few, but we're going to talk about some of the things that is God's will for his children. And if you're a born-again believer, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then these are things that he has written for you that to show you what his will is, because I took them right out of his will, the Word of God. First John 1, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. Now, what is this? Verse 2? Okay, verse 2. That's right. Verse 2. I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. So what is God's will when it comes down to sin? No sin. I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. So this is what you've got to get in your crawl. That God does not want you to sin. He does not want you to open the door to the devil. He wants you to walk holy before Him. But if you do sin, but if you do sin, which you shouldn't, but if you do, there is someone to plead for you before the Father. It is Jesus Christ, the one who pleases God completely. Now, I can't think of anybody I'd rather have standing before the Father pleading my case than one that pleases Him completely. So, I mean, that's a good place to be. But you really don't want to have to stand before that. How many of you like to go to court and stand before a judge? No hands go up. Well, gee, I can't imagine that. You know, you'd think that we all would like to go before a judge and stand before a court to be judged, wouldn't we? No, of course not. Nobody wants to go stand before a judge. Well, how would you like to be standing before the judge of the universe with Jesus as your lawyer pleading your case when you sinned? Well, every time you sin, you have to do that. 
Now, do you not want to do that? I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords with my brother, my attorney, my advocate, pleading my case for me. So, to prevent that, you do what the first part of that verse says. You don't sin. You walk holy before God, and then you don't have to appear before the court. In other words, if you don't go out and get a speeding ticket, how many times do you have to go see the judge? Never. But if you get a speeding ticket, you've got to go see the judge. And if you don't go see the judge, they come see you. You know? Then they file a warrant for your arrest, then they come pick you up, put you in jail for a few days. You know? And I don't know about you, but I don't relish the thought of spending a few days in jail. I have a far more wonderful things to do than spending time behind bars. Well, you can prevent that, not break the speed limit. So, you can prevent standing before the judge of the universe by not sinning. So, but if you do sin, you have one that can plead your case. He is the sacrifice for our sins. He takes away not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Now, everybody on this earth, I don't care who you are, anybody can come to Christ. I don't care what you've done. As long as you make this decision before you die. Before you die and are drawn into the pits of hell, if you make a decision to follow Jesus, He will wash away every sin you've ever committed and make you just as if you'd never sinned. And that's good news. That's good news. Now, you probably won't get no rewards when you get home. But at least you get home. You know, at least you get to heaven. But you know what the best thing to do is? Make Jesus Lord of your life when you're a little child. Walk holy before God. Read the will. Walk holy in obedience to God's Word. Walk in divine health. Learn who you are as a son or a daughter of God, a professor of eternal life. And learn the power you have over the devil. And don't ever have to worry about sickness and disease and the devil. Just kick him out. When he comes to your house, kick him out. You know, kick him out. That's what you do. You don't have to be sick. You know, you can be sick. It's a choice you make. Some people don't believe that. But let me tell you, you make the choice every time you're sick. You know, when that devil comes upon you, if you're a born-again Christian filled with the Spirit of God, you can take the Word of God and come against that devil and you can kick him out. Just like I did this last week whenever that devil was there attacking my leg. You know, I mean, there, that leg, when it looks like it does, you just don't go by what you see. You don't have no fear whatsoever. I don't care what your leg looks like. I don't care what anything happens. You don't never go by what you see. Just like Ty said, if we went by what we saw, he'd have me in a hospital. He said a friend of his had the same problem here a while back, and he was in the hospital and done surgery on him. Well, let me tell you, that's not going to happen to me. My Jesus is big enough to heal me. He's big enough to heal anything. But you've got to realize sometimes the battle has to be intensively fought. You can't just flippantly pray one little prayer and ask God to do something to heal you. In fact, you can pray a flippant prayer a hundred times and it never touched God. You can be sick and afflicted and then you can take one person, one person that prays a prayer of faith and you can see a miracle happen just like that. I mean, I think the other night whenever I prayed that prayer for that doctor up in Salt Lake City, I don't know how many people had prayed for him already. No telling. But all I know is I prayed a prayer of faith for that guy and a guy that fell out of a tree 35 foot up and broke his back and had a CT scan from the hospital to confirm he had a broken back. 
I prayed the prayer of faith for him and quoted Mark eleven twenty three and guaranteed him he'd get a supernatural healing from the king and his name Jesus. And in two minutes, that man's completely, totally healed. Two minutes. I mean, he's running up down the stairs. And as far as I know, I haven't heard from him lately, but I heard from him a week or two after that he was still completely, totally healed. And I guess he's still completely, totally healed. You know, but the thing about it is the prayer of faith. I mean, I think of Sharon sitting over right over there. I know she told me at least a hundred people had prayed for her over 30 years and nothing had ever happened. And she come to a healing school, got faith in her. She repented of her sins. We rebuked the devil, prayed the prayer of faith, and she was instantly healed nearly two years ago and hadn't had a pain since. Something happened right there that we did that happened that lined up with the will of God. Now, all these other things didn't line up with his will. If what you do does not line up with the will of God, that's why I'm telling you, you can come and tell me anything you want to, talk to me about anything, but if it's not the Word of God, I'm really not very interested in what you have to say. Because you can talk about all the things of the world you want to all day long, and what's that going to do as far as moving God's hand? Nothing. The world don't move His hand. Only the Word of God moves His hand. But He says, and how, how can, this is, and he died for the sins of the whole world. And how can we be sure that we belong to him? A lot of people ask that question. How can I be sure that I'm a born again child of God? Look, listen to the king's wills, his statement in his will. You can know your mind by obeying my commandments. That's how you know you're my children. That's in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4. If anyone says, I belong to God, but doesn't obey God's commandments. Oh, now listen to this. This is really a kicker. Number 3 said, and how can we be sure that we belong to God? How many of you in here want to be sure that you belong to God? Man, I do. I want to be sure that I belong to the king. He said, well... The way you can tell is by obeying His commandments. Now then, when you read the Word of God, as you read the whole book, that's His commandments. You know what the number one commandment is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who is your neighbor? Hey, that's anybody and everybody besides yourself. But, I mean, the woman across the street, she's real easy to love. But the woman next door, she is a witch. I couldn't love her if I wanted to. No, God told you to love how many of them? All of them. That's right. Not the one. Anybody can love somebody that's easy to get along with. But is that one that's the witch. That's the one that's hard to love. The one that's talking evil about you. The one that's taking advantage of you. The one that's throwing their trash over on your yard. You know, the one that throwed their old junk stuff out on your, didn't want it on theirs, so throwed it on yours. Those are the people that's hard to love. But did God tell you to love them? Amen. Yes, He did. And He's, this is how you can tell if you're really a Christian, if you're willing to obey and walk in love. Now then, in verse 4 it says, if someone says, I belong to God, I'm a Christian, I know I am but doesn't obey God's commands. They don't love people. They don't love their neighbor. That person is a liar. Now, I'm sure glad God said this and not me. But, I mean, but Ernest, he said this, right? I and mean, that's what he says. I mean, that's exactly what he says. 
If anyone says, I belong to God, but does not obey God's commands, you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God, you don't walk in love, you don't do what He says, you don't keep His commandments, He says, that person is a liar and does not live in the truth, but those who obey God's Word really do love Him. Boy, the Word, it's cutting, isn't it? It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Man, it cuts going in and it cuts coming out. Now, who is that? I mean, that's got to be only for preachers, right? Is that, no, that's not only for preachers. That's for you too? You, oh, you got to keep these commands too. That's for you too, Benjamin? you you got to keep that too, right? Absolutely. There's no, there's no exception. It makes no difference who we are. God, we're all God's children. You know, whether we're tall, short, skinny, fat... Red, yellow, black, or white, regardless of what continent you come from or anything else, God made every human being on the face of the earth, and He commands all of them to do what He says. And you know why we're having all these devastating storms starting around from the East Coast all the way around Plum Up now to Corpus Christi? Because we are not doing what He said. He said in His Word, if we obey, and I look, as I've listened to more television this past few months, I have not listened to television in years. But I mean, with what's going on in the world, I have listened to more news in the last few months than I have ever listened to in the last 20 years. Because we never had the devastation going on we had the last few the last year. I mean, this last year we started out with just that little bitty glip out there called a tsunami. That thing killed people of every color, creed, nationality all over the world. I mean, it's just that's awesome to think about what that big tidal wave to think about a 30-foot wall of water coming in and just swooping and washing away everything for some two, three, four, five miles inland. Just killed everything and everybody. And then all these typhoons, hurricanes. And last night, what we was watching the news, we read on the bottom, but I think it was last night, it said there's a hurricane of 90 miles an hour coming up on the shores of Japan right now. Nobody ever heard of that. I mean, we, you know, we, nobody, we're not concerned about it because we got one that was 195 miles an hour coming into Texas. That's what we're trying to look at. We're trying to evacuate, creating an exodus out of Galveston and Texas and Houston to get people out of the way. And then, of course, it went just a little bit north and caused all kinds of devastation, flooding and everything else. But I am telling you, because of your prayers and many other Christians that were praying, that's why that thing went from 195 to 130. Now, we had an impact on that thing. <clears throat> so you got to remember, those of us that believe the Word of God, we got to pray. You know, if we're, if we're Christians, we just sit back and watch the TV and say, Oh, man, look at that. 195 miles an hour, that's going to kill everybody down there. I hope them people get out. Man, I bet that kills everybody down there. I bet that wipes out every house up and down for 152 or 300, 400 miles. You see anything wrong with what you're saying as a Christian? Everything you said is wrong. You ought to be saying, Lord, you ought to be on your knees. Say, Lord, I repent for my sins. Lord, I ask you, you said if the church would repent, if we would call on you, you would answer our prayers and you'd do things. So, Lord, we're repenting. I'm telling you, if the whole church, if the whole church would, even on national television, if our president, if our president would have called a day of prayer for the whole church and said, 
I want the entire church to fall on your knees and I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to fall right here in the White House with a camera on me and I want everybody to do what I'm doing and I'm going to fall on my face and repent and turn this government over to God and I'm going to ask God to be merciful to us and stop this storm down there. I'm telling you, I bet you we'd have prayed in in 15 minutes. I bet that thing went from 195 to nothing. That's all we'd have had to do. But you've got to start at the top. And then I thought last night on the news, I thought, isn't that amazing? We gave away Gaza so we could have peace. And last night we saw where that the, the Palestinians from Gaza is shooting rust missiles into Israel. Yeah, it really brought peace, didn't it? You would think eventually we would finally wise up to realize it's not, it's, it's the problem is between the devil and God. You can't give land for peace. You know, you give them a little piece of land and they shoot at you from where you give them the land. There's no peace. The Word of God says there's not going to be any peace till the King comes again. So you've got to realize that you and I are in a war on this earth. We're fighting a war. And you don't give up something. You pray. And you stand in the Word of God. Now, this is the will of God. Now, then he says, but those who obey God's Word really do love Him. Now, if you really obey His Word, you will love Him. Then he says, this, that is the way to know whether or not we live in Him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Christ did. You need to live your life as Christ did. Now, what did Christ do? How much sin did He have? None. None. Did He walk across this country and have compassion on people? Did He pray for the sick? Did He command demons to leave people? Did He see people get healed and delivered and blind eyes open and everything else? What is impossible with God? Nothing. If you walk in love and live like He did, you and I on a regular basis, if you believe these words, you and I should be out there in the workplace as a demonstration of God's love to all people. Now, some people's not going to receive it. When you walk in love, some people will come against you when you walk in God's love. But that's okay. You still walk in God's love. And then, whenever somebody has a need to be prayed for, you can touch them and tell them, this is from Jesus. Freely He gave me this power. Freely I'm going to give it away. And you can see God heal the sick. You can see Him answer your prayers. You can see Him help you in your work, in your job. You can have problems that you can't. I think about one time I was down in Houston. And I was up there and I was a regional engineer. And one of the guys was down in one of our shops. And he come up there. I sent him down to get something. And about 30 minutes later, he come back up there and he I said, what in the world has taken you so long? He said, Thurman, I can't find it. I've looked all over the place and I can't find what I'm looking for. I said, I thought you was a Christian. We said, I am a Christian. I said, did you ask God? Well, I never thought about that. What do we not understand when the Lord says, do all things in prayer with thanksgiving? I said, now get yourself back down there. You go right down in the middle of that shop. You stand right in the middle of that floor and you say, Lord, I repent because I didn't ask you first. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you to show me where this item is I'm looking for. And I said, start turning around. I said, as soon as the Holy Spirit quickens you, go look and you'll find it. In five minutes, he was back up there. Five minutes. He said, Thurman, it's awesome. 
I went down and did what you said. He said, I did exactly. He said, I'm going along. All of a sudden, something just quickened me right there. So I went over there and opened the door and looked. And right there it was. Now, does God know where everything's at? Why do we try to do everything on our own? You know, why do we try to do everything on our own? Why do we fight these battles and get up in the morning and we're worrying and we're trying and, oh, Lord, if I don't get this done today, I'm going to look bad before my company. And he said, well, I'm sitting here to help you if you just ask me. But as long as you're a worrywart and you're grumbling and complaining, he said, you're opening the door for the devil to come into your house. Isn't that amazing? So you stop grumbling and complaining. You repent of your sin. And you ask God to help you do something. And when you start learning what His will is, you ask Him and He does these great and mighty things for you. Then He says in 3 John 2, listen to this in 3 John 2, what God's will is. Dear friend, I am praying that all is well with you and that your body is as healthy as I know your soul is. Now what's God's will when it comes to health? He wants you to be healthy. If you're not healthy and you're a Christian, then you're not walking in the will of God. Whoa, somebody says, you mean because I'm sick, I'm not in God's will? I'm going to tell you that's a guarantee. I mean, according to the Word. According to the Word. That's not me talking, that's God talking. I'm going to take you back and quote to you a verse that in the Old Testament, Jesus clearly said in Exodus 15, 26, if you will be obedient, and this was under the law. This is not under the New Covenant, which has got far better promises. This is back under the law. He said, if you will be obedient and keep all my commandments and do all my statutes, I will take all sickness and disease away from you, and you will have no sickness and no disease. Now, that's God talking. Now, that's right out of the Word of God. You know, this is not me talking. This is God talking. If God made you that statement and you're sick and afflicted, you're not in the will of God. If you're in the perfect will of God, you are not sick. Isn't that amazing? If you're in the perfect will of God and the devil attacks, then how much power and authority do you have over the devil? All. All you've got to do is counterattack against that beast, just like I did with everybody that was helping me this last week, we counterattacked it knowing that I was walking in obedience to God's Word. Knowing I'm a man of faith. Amen. Knowing I'm not going to yield to that devil. But the devil attacked. What did Jesus tell me to do when the devil attacks? He said, stand. He said, you take my Word, you submit yourself to me, you resist the devil with my Word, and you stand on it. And He said, that devil will flee from you. Now, how many people do you know today when the devil attacks them as willing, number one, to say, God, have I sinned somewhere? Have I stepped out of a love walk? Have I done something wrong? If I have, Lord, forgive me. Now, if you have, did he say a while ago in that verse, you had a lawyer that could stand between you and the Father to go to him when you repent? Well, let me tell you, that's good news, isn't it? That's good news. So when you get your sins repented of, and you know what the biggest sin in the church is today? Unbelief of the promises of God. You know, I lived there a big portion of my life. I lived there a big portion of my life. I didn't know what the promises were. Was I a Christian? Absolutely. Did I go to church every time the door was open? Absolutely. But I had no idea who I was as a son of God and what I could do against the devil. It's just like I didn't believe these promises. 
Right now, today, when I read this book, it's like I'm reading a brand new book. These things mean something to me now. They mean something to me. When the Lord says, don't hold a grudge against nobody for nothing or you'll be sick and afflicted. I'll send the devil to torment you. Let me tell you, that means something to me today. You think I'd hold a grudge against somebody today? I don't care what they do to me. Because if you, I don't care who you are. I don't, man, woman, male, female, red, yellow, black, or white. It doesn't matter who you are. If you hold a grudge against somebody, God himself is going to send a tormenting spirit to torment you. And you're going to have sickness and disease. You're going to have pain. You're going to have suffering. Because God said it in his word. Now then, if God told men in the Bible to love their wives, do you think he meant that? He didn't just tell you to love your wife and leave that as an open game. He said, men, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he was willing to give himself for her. Do you know if you don't do it like that, do you know sickness and disease is going to come to your house? Now, he also told the woman, if the man loves his wife like he told her to submit to him, if she does not submit to him, it will bring sickness and disease to her. You have to be obedient. And, of course, another thing he said, men, if you don't... Now, he didn't make the deal with the woman, but he did with the man. He made the deal with the man. He said, if you don't love your wife and you don't do what I tell you to do, I will not answer your prayer. He didn't say that to the woman, but he did say that to the man. He didn't make deals with women. He makes deals with men. And this is the deal. You do it my way, not your way. You have to be obedient. And God's not upset. He ain't going to never scream at you. He ain't never going to holler at you. He's just going to say, children, this is what I said. You do it my way or you get a demon. And I don't want a demon. Do you? I mean, they ain't no fun. They ain't no fun at all. I'd a whole lot rather have them gone. So... Then he says, dear friend, I am praying that all is well with you and that your body is healthy. Okay, if your body is healthy, that's God's will for your body to be healthy. You're supposed to live in health. Then he says, some of the brothers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living in the truth. Wow. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children live in the truth. That's God speaking to you today. If you're loving Him with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself, He is very pleased with you. That's His word. Then He says in John 10, verse 10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Now, the thief, who is that? That's the devil. I guarantee the devil. Now, he's invisible and you usually can't see him. But he can most definitely manifest into a human being. The devil can come to you. And when you see the devil, he will never come to you as he really is. Let me give you an example of the devil coming to you. You turn on your television set and they have a beer commercial. I know it's a bloody scene with car wrecks and dead people laying all over the place, isn't it? How many of you ever seen a beer commercial like that? How many of you have seen... A beer scene on the beach with beautiful macho guys. Most beautiful women and they're all running around sipping their sand and it don't get no better than this. You ever seen a commercial like that? Oh yeah. Now they never show you about having one too many. And then the guy goes out and 
gets in a disagreement with a guy or some guy comes up and says, oh, you know, they don't go this far, but here's his wife, a really pretty thing, and they get too much to drink and he comes up and pinches her on the backside, you know, and the husband sees it, he runs over, and first thing you know, they're in a fight, they knock down, drag out, and one of them kills the other. They don't ever show you that, do they? They don't show you what happens down in the bar when they have too much to drink. Some guy reaches over and says something to a man's wife and he punches him out. Next thing you know, he's got a broken beer bottle and cuts his throat. They don't ever show you that, do you? Isn't that amazing? The devil comes to you as human beings in those commercials and saying, Oh, isn't that beautiful? Look at them beautiful women. Look at them beautiful macho guys. Let me ask you this. How many times do you ever see a beer commercial with a great big guy that's been drinking for 30 or 40 years and he's got a beer gut on him about this big hanging off? <laughs> How many of you ever seen a commercial like that? All of them I ever seen, man, they look like they just come out of the gym. See, you see how the devil will come to you? And they never come to you and show you the guy laying in the hospital with a liver eat up, with the kidneys eat up. The doctor saying, I'm sorry, sir, you got cirrhosis of the liver. You drink too much. They never show you that, do they? That's the devil. That's the way he works. So you've got to get smart. As Christians, we've got to get smart and realize who we are, and we need to take care of our bodies. We don't need to be in the devil's world. Because it said the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and to destroy. Well, I'm going to tell you, we've seen plenty of it lately, haven't we? I mean, I think about the city of sin, you know, that was going to have the biggest Mardi Gras, going to have the biggest homosexual pervert deal the Saturday after they had the flood on Sunday. Well, let me tell you, that city still shut down to this day. That's been three, four, going on four weeks. They had part of the water pumped out, and then this beast that just come in just reflooded all those sections. And New Orleans is still dead in the water. You know how long it's going to be? That city has virtually no power, no water, no sewer, no nothing. It's just flooded with four, five, and six foot of water. You want to know why New Orleans is like that? Because of sin. I'll tell you what does it. It's sin. It's time somebody start telling people, if you don't want these devastating things to continue, you're going to have to stop sinning. Amen. The church has got to stop sinning. Amen. We're going to have to start walking in love. When I, when I minister to people all time, all day, every day, almost, and these are just church people. This is not worldly people. These are church people. They can't get along. Can't get along with nobody. Not even their mates. They're not willing to do what God says. I don't care who you are. I deal with them. Come in people sick and afflicted. Why am I sick? I said, because of your sin. You need to straighten your act up. Some of them believe me, some of them don't. But when I say they believe me, some of them believe God's Word and some of them don't believe God's Word. But those that believe God's Word and walk holy before Him, they don't get sick. I People come in and say, my financial world, it's tore up. I don't know what God's will is. God clearly said in His will, it is my will for you to be blessed financially. That's what he says. Well, Thurman, for some reason, I, I think about this Baptist preacher. He came to me one time. He said, Thurman, I don't know why in the world. I, you're blessed so and I'm not blessed. I don't know what for everything I do goes wrong. I said, brother, I've told you and told you and told you. He said, I know you said I've got to be a tither, but I've been tithing since I was a teenager. I said, oh, yeah, you've not missed that part. But I said, your problem is one inch below your nose. You know what that is? 
Your mouth. I said, all you talk about is, oh, my old car is falling apart. My wife's sick. Or I've got this. Or my, my car probably won't make it home this afternoon. Oh, oh, I just don't know how I'm going to make it. I said, everything in your world is negative. I said, yes, you need to repent of that and start saying, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my provider. Praise God, I'm blessed. I've I got a great car. Thank you, Lord. All these things. Start saying what the Word says. Why, what, no time. This guy came in. And he said, praise God. He said, I wish I had met you a long time ago. He said, I've got a better car. My wife's got a better car. Everything's going better. I got my house payment lowered. He was telling me all the wonderful things that happened. And then he says, uh, but I did trip to then fall and hurt my leg. I said, is that why you're walking on them crutches? He said, yeah. I said, would you like to walk on them or you don't want to get off of them? He's a Baptist preacher now. Well, he said, well, the doctor said I'd get well in about six weeks. I said, how'd you like to get well today? He said, well, I'd love it. I said, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19, if two of us on earth could agree about anything we ask him for, he'd do it for us. I said, now, you're a Baptist preacher. Do you believe the Word of God? He said, absolutely, I believe the Word of God. I said, then why don't we act on it? And I got my Bible and handed it to us. I said, look at that promise. That's the will of God right there for you and me today. That's the will of God. He said, if two of us on earth agree about what? Would you think that would include a bad leg? I thought it did. I mean, I might just be too simple. I don't know. But I thought if God said we could agree about anything, I thought that's what He meant. So I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to do a supernatural healing on my friend's leg. I said, it's done. Thank you, Lord. I mean, did that take long? Was that hard? I said, you said Matthew 18, 19, so it's done, Father. Now, what's His will? What's written in the Word of God? For His obedient children, if you're walking in love, He said, you can ask Him for anything. Did He not? So I asked Him to heal His leg. I said, now it's done. Stand up. So He stood up on His crutches. I said, no, I didn't say stand up on them crutches. Take them crutches. I'll put them under your arm. Take them out and put them in your car. He said, Thurman, you can't be serious. I said, well, you didn't believe me then. You didn't agree with me. <laughs> See, now his faith was nowhere close to where mine was. I said, put those crutches under your arm and tell God you're sorry for not believing his promise and go out and put them in the car. Now we fix his test his faith. He takes them crutches out from under his arm. Or takes them out from under here and puts them under his arm here. And he starts walking and he cripples a couple of steps and he gets to the door and he opens the door and he goes out and he closes the door and he walks out. And I look out the windows. He goes down the sidewalk and he's walking normal. Got him thrown over his shoulder. He goes out and puts him in the car and he walks all the way back in and walks in the office perfectly normal, sets down. And I said, well, praise God. I said, what happened? He said, it only hurt about three or four steps. And then the pain was gone. See, now that's walking in the will of God. That's doing what God told you and me to do. See, but you know, we got to believe Him. You know, now who do we believe? He went to the doctor, hurt his leg. Doctor said, you're going to walk on crutches for six weeks. So guess what he told me when he come in? I said, how are you doing? He said, praise God, I'm doing good. Jesus has healed me. But the doctor said, I can be off these things in six weeks. Now, what was his confession? He'd be off of them in six weeks. So, maybe he'll be off of them in six weeks. If the devil don't put a pain on But Jesus said two of us that are walking in obedience to His will could ask Him for anything and He'll do it. 
Most people say, I don't believe that. Then if you can't believe those promises of God, don't you try to act on it because it ain't going to work for you. But if you can step out of the world of the flesh and step into the world of faith, you can see God do these great and awesome things. I'm telling you, you talk about stepping out of the world of the world and stepping into faith. When Ty's throat was closing up the other day, how many of you would have panicked if that happened to you? I mean, just be truthful. Probably most of you would have. If your trach is swelling up and you knowing you can't breathe and all of a sudden you're down to... <laughs> and, there ain't, and you can't breathe, the average person would die right there. Christian. Instead of in your spirit being calm and say, Lord, you said. You said in your word that if I put you first, that, now then, now this is the problem. You notice he had that word hidden in his heart. Did he have time to go open the Bible and look for an answer? Ain't no way. You gotta have the word hidden in here. Now when he gets up at four o'clock to six o'clock every morning and spends that two hours with God, he hides that word in his heart. He's got a lot of that word hidden in his heart. So he could call God into remembrance of his promises because he knew what his will was. And when he stood on that will, bam, when he woke up, he was completely normal. Isn't that amazing? Now that's allowing the Lord to put you to the test of faith. And that's walking in faith. Now then, His will is all of His Word. Now see, we as Christians have suffered greatly because we don't believe these great and mighty promises He's made in His Word. He's made us the promises. But we don't believe Him. We start, you know, back paddling and saying, oh God, if it be your will. Like I say, you need to learn what the will is. Because just like Cheryl and Christy sang a while ago, he gave us his will. And I'm reading you some of the promises out of his will today. Now listen to this. After the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but he says, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. So what is the will of God for his children? What? Life. In, and how much? In all of its fullness. Does that mean just a mediocre life? Just barely getting along? No. It means life to the full. That means you should be able to enjoy life. But you've got to do it His way. You can't do it your way. You can't go out and live in the world and do it your way. You've got to do it God's way from His Word. Then when you do, He will bless your socks off. I mean, I think about all the years God, as I walked in obedience to His Word, spent all those hours studying His Word, all the mighty answers to prayer in the workplace. I mean, the supernatural miracles and the visions and everything God gave me and the things I was able to build and design and the buildings I was able to build and the miracles I was able to perform. And I mean, I mean, I think about some of the things. I look back down and think, hey, it's like I was living in a dream world. I mean, when I went to Cairo, Egypt in 77, and they handed me a building that a group of engineers had been working on for seven years, and no drawings, no drawings, a quarter million square foot building, and they hand this beast to me with supposedly going to be 38 walk-in coolers and freezers in it. It's own meatpacking plant. It's own electrical plant. It's own dry ice plant. It's own bakery. It's own a laundry. The whole nine yards. It's own steam plant, and everything's scattered everywhere. And I don't have no drawings. And they want me to finish this. 
Well, guess what? I know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He's in me. And all the mysteries and the treasures and the secrets of the universe are in Christ, which are in me. So I just tapped into it and said, Lord, i got to know what to do here, 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 and here. And I opened that building for the Egyptian government in three months. Blew their socks off. They went, how did you do this? I said, simple. I know the King of kings and His name is Jesus Christ. I was not ashamed. They're all Muslims over there. Well, I'm telling you, your Muslims didn't build a building. They'd been working on it for seven years and couldn't complete it. But to give one little son of God that knew who he was, how to walk in faith, how to tap into the resources that was already in him, and ask God, and not ashamed to tell him, hey, the king that's in me, Jesus, he can knock this thing out in a heartbeat. Just turn me loose on this place. And they did, and in three months I opened that building. I mean, it was, they were awestruck. How did you do this? Even the corporate people back in uh, the U.S. Thurman, how did you do this miracle? I said, simple, guys. Same way I do all of them. In the name of Jesus. Isn't it amazing to see God do those wonderful things? I just stand in awe of the dream world. I've had the privilege to live in this world of faith. It's awesome. You know what? To live in a world of faith. What's impossible when you live in a world of faith? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So get out of the world and start learning what the will of God is and realize that He come not only to give you and me life, but give it to us to the fall. Abundantly. Now then He says here, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired man will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will leave the sheep because they aren't his and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and he scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is merely hired and he has no real concern for the sheep. First John 3, 7. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it is because they are righteous. Even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil. Now, you want to offend somebody, you just tell them your father is the devil. I mean, you can light a fire, even of a Christian, when you say, you know, you're not walking in accordance to God's word, so you're serving the devil. I mean, you can really... Make somebody mad. So I'm glad God's the one said this. I'm glad I don't have to. That's just like that time when I made the statement sitting in the cafeteria out Sky Shift. I said, anybody that's not a believer in Jesus Christ is going to hell. And I was sitting at a cafeteria table telling some men this. Well, in a little while, HR called me. Head lady of HR called me up to my director's office and said, Thurman, will you please come to Charles Ashcraft's office? And I recognized it was the HR director. So I thought, well, I wonder what I've done now. So I might as well run by the cafeteria and get me a cup of hot tea because I'm probably going to be up there a few minutes. So I go into there with my cup of hot tea. I sat down and I said, what can I do for you two now? And she said, Thurman, you have offended someone in the cafeteria. Now, he says he's a Baptist. And she says she is a, I think, Assembly of God or whatever she was. Anyway, she was a Christian. I'd shared Jesus with both of them several times. She said, you've offended someone in the cafeteria. I said, oh, I have. I said, gee, I'm terribly sorry. If I offended, how did I offend them? They said, they come and told her, you said. 
that if they didn't believe in Jesus, and they're not a believer in Jesus, that they was going to die and go to hell. And it offended them greatly. I said, oh, gee, I'm so sorry. But that's, I didn't say that. She said, Thurman, they said you said it. I said, no, ma'am, I was just repeating what Jesus said. Jesus is the one who said that. I was repeating the king. So if you've got a problem with what Jesus said, you take it up with him. I'm out of here. And my director said, Thurman, you're impossible. I said, I know. When you court the king, you can't get in trouble. If you don't like what I say, then I say, take it up with him. He's the one who said it. You know, I don't make statements like that. But Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the life, and I am the way. And no man, no man or no woman is going to come into the kingdom of heaven except they come through me. Did the king make that statement? Then you can quote that statement and be on safe ground. If it's, that's his will, right? Somebody said, but you know, I'm a, I'm a Muslim. I'm a Hindu. And there's many ways to heaven. I'm going to have to tell you, that's a lie. I don't care if that's on tape. I don't care who sees that. I'm telling you, that's a lie. There ain't no Hindu going to heaven. There ain't no Muslim going to heaven. There ain't nobody but Christians going to heaven. People that are washed in the blood of Jesus are the only people that's going to go to heaven. Now, I mean, if that offends you, I'm sorry. Take it up with the king. He's the one who made the statement. So, that's what we've got to do. But he says here, But when people keep on sinning, now this is in the Word. Verse 8, But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil. If you keep on sinning, it shows you belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not sin. Now, boy, that will put you to the test. Are you born into God's family? I hope you are. If you are, what are you supposed to do when it comes to sin? Not supposed to sin. I mean, it's just all over this book. It's not in one or two places, is it, Ernest? I mean, it's all over this book. Then he says, because God's life is in them. Now, if God's life is in you, so they can't keep on sinning. You can't keep on sinning if God lives in you. He will convict you by the power of the Holy Ghost because you have been born of God. So, now we can tell who the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not obey God's commands and does not have love and does not love other Christians does not belong to God. Now, that's not my statements. This is the king making the statement. Now, if you're not walking in love, you need to examine your life. Maybe you don't belong to Jesus. Maybe you don't have the Holy Ghost. And if you are, you better walk in fear. Because if you died not having Jesus in you, guess where your final dwelling place is going to be? A lake of fire. And I don't know about you, but I can just hold my finger. I can just go out and fix me a cup. Of, and I don't see how anybody, I don't see any engineer could be so dense as to make a tea kettle that the hot handle gets hot whenever you try to boil water in it. I mean, I need to talk to that engineer. Me and him could definitely, I could teach him some things. But they make, we got a tea kettle out of the miniature center that when it gets hot enough for the water to boil, the handle's so hot you can't hardly stand to hold it to pour water out of it. I mean, that engineer, he got something wrong with him. One thing I say, he's not really a child of God. Because if it had been, God would have convicted him. What he was doing was wrong when he designed that piece of equipment. 
But there's a lot of people out there building things that are not Christians. And so all of us suffer the consequences from these things. But that's not of God. God's children, if you go back and look at every major discovery that's ever been done, the original discovery, you will find that a born-again, spirit-filled child of God came up with that. No unbeliever came up with those things. Now, once believers come up with these wonderful things and build these things, then unbelievers can take those things. I mean, I think about the Japanese. When I left here as a young man in the early 60s and I went to Japan, I was a mechanic working in a Chevrolet house. And the 1957 Chevrolet engine was a precision piece of equipment. And I went to Japan and I bought a 1957 Toyota over there. And I'm telling you, that thing was a piece of junk. In 1957, that thing was a piece of junk. When I tore that thing down to overhaul, I thought this thing looks like a 1929 automobile in America. These people are so far behind. But after we come up with all these magnificent things, they begin to see what we did. And now then they're doing the same thing, building as fine a car as we do. Isn't that amazing? But it was men and women of God in America that designed and built the originals. All the treasures and secrets of the universe comes out of a born-again Christian. That's where all these things, all the inventions, all the things that we learn technically come out of born-again, spirit-filled Christians. It's not the lost world. It's not the world that's serving the devil. Their mind is blinded. You think, I mean, you think of the different things that they come up with that's good for you, to do something for you, to increase the quality of life. Some Christian come up with that idea somewhere in the beginning. That original plan came from a son or a daughter of God. But he says here, in James 1, 22, says, Remember, it is a message to obey. Now see, this goes right along with what we're talking about. This is a message to obey and not just to listen to. A lot of people read the Bible, but they don't do what it says. They don't do, they don't act on it. Especially when it comes to sickness and disease. When it comes to sickness and disease, when the devil attacks us, most of us absolutely do not act on the Word of God. The first thing we do is run to a doctor. Now, praise God, there's some good doctors out there. Some of them are very, very expensive. Very expensive. But if it wasn't for them, a lot of people would be dead. You know that? Doctors do a good work for those people that are not walking in faith. And what percentage do you think of the church today is walking in faith? I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, when I come again, will I find faith on the earth? Right now, if he came again right now, I think he would find almost zero faith on the earth. I think the church has almost zero faith today. It's amazing how here we got this book with all these magnificent promises. And we read them, but we don't believe them. We won't act on them. But he says, and remember, it is a message to obey. To obey. So, if he tells you to do something, you've got to do it. If you don't do it, it's going to bring sickness and disease to your house. I can guarantee you. And it can bring an early death. But it can bring torment to you for years and years and years. And then you still die at 90 and being tormented all of your life. Listen to what it says here. If you don't obey, you're only fooling yourself. 
If you do not obey God's word, you're only fooling yourself. For if you just listen and don't obey, it is like looking at your face in a mirror, but doing nothing to improve your appearance. Nothing. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. You walk up at that morning, especially you girls, you know, you all walk up and look and say, Whoa, I look awful this morning, I need some paint. I need some rouge. I need this. I need lipstick. I need that. But you say, that woman I see in the mirror looks awful. But you back off in the mirror and you say, oh, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I'll just go ahead and go. Nobody will know the difference. Everybody will know the difference. (laughs) But that woman that looks in that mirror and says, whoa, that woman could be made a whole lot more beautiful with a little bit of makeup. So she sets her in front of that thing, does her eyelashes, does her a rouge or whatever you call the stuff, powder, all the stuff. And when she comes out there, she says, wow. When she walks away from that mirror, she says, wow, look at that. Isn't that awesome? I'm fixed up beautiful today. And you walk out and you know you're beautiful. Isn't that amazing? You know, you have the choice to do that. It says, but you look into, it says, but if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law. What is his perfect law? His will, the Word of God. If you keep looking steadily into this law, the Word of God, this perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So if you act on it, who's going to bless you? I can't think of nobody I'd rather have blessed me than God. Can you? If you claim to be religious, if you claim to be religious and don't control your tongue, boy, is this a kicker. If you don't control your tongue, you are just fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. Pure and lasting religion in the sight of God, our Father, means we must care for orphans and widows in their troubles and refuse to let the world corrupt us. That's pure religion. Listen to this. We are to obey and do all of the Word of God, not to pick and choose. Now then, I want to actually open the King James in Matthew 7. I've got a few verses I want to read to you in Matthew 7. The more I read these verses, starting in Matthew 7, the more revelation I get from these verses. In Matthew 7, starting with verse 12, Matthew seven twelve. Therefore, all things, how many things? All. all things, whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Do you want to be loved? Do you know what you've got to do if you want to be loved? You've got to love. God shall not be mocked over in Galatians. He said, whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Now, if you sow bitterness and discord, guess what's going to come back to you? Discord, discord and bitterness. That's right. God shall not be mocked. Whatever a man or a woman sows, that also shall they reap. 
But he says in verse 12, Therefore all things, not a few things, all things, whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Then look at this next verse. That's a good way to start into this next one. Verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate. Enter in at the straight gate. Now, the more I read these next few verses in this chapter, the more revelation I get from this. The more this becomes a reality to me. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereof. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are raging wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Whereby, by their fruits, you shall know them. Now, I'm going to stop and talk about those verses just a minute. I want you to look, I want you to get a picture of what I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to make you envision what I see from these verses. Here is the world. It's wide. A big path. Let's just say this room is the world. It's real wide. It's easy to walk on the floor in here anywhere. But there's rattlesnakes all over the floor. Everywhere. I mean, everywhere you look is a rattlesnake. Now, most people, all, all, most of y'all would need men and women would just be a little mouse run across the floor. And some of you would be standing up in your chairs. Men and women. You ought to have seen me the other day. I was out there on a tractor and a great big old rat that long run out of the grass and he's running across one under. I jumped off the tractor, run out there, jumped right in the middle of that bush where he was, tried to kill him. He run off just as, and I run him all over and I'm stomping. I thought if anybody's looking, they'll think I'm crazy. I'm running, trying to stomp that rat. And he is just, he is frantically trying to get away from me. And every time he stops in the bush, I jump right, I'm in a big clump of grass. I stomp right on top of it just as he comes out the other side. I'm trying my best to kill that rat. Am I afraid of that rat? Absolutely not. How much opinion I have over that rat? All. He finally gets to the fence. And when he gets to the fence, he's on the other side and he's gone on that tall grass. I can just see him out there now saying, (laughs) I'm sure glad I got away from that big dude. And to think some of us are afraid of a dinky little mouse. Well, here is the world. 
And you need to learn to be afraid of these things because out here in the world, if I take this world, this room, and it's all like it is high and all the doors are closed, and I throw out all these rattlesnakes all over the place and they're just crawling all over the place. Everywhere you look is a rattlesnake. Now, how many of you want to walk out across there with them? Do you see you want to walk through there? No, you're smarter than that, aren't you, girl? Yeah. But do you know people are walking through those things all the time? But here's a little bitty path. The Lord brings a little bitty path. He elevates it about four feet off the floor and it's about three feet wide. It's nice and sturdy. Now, who can walk on a, a pathway? That's three foot wide right through here. Anybody have any trouble walking through this? No, not at all. You can walk kind of even over the edge if you want to, can't you, Ernest? No problem. But the Lord, what did the Lord say about that path? Narrow is the path. Narrow. And he says, few there will be that will find that path. Okay, so, Lord, I've found that path now. I've made you my Lord and Savior. I'm going to walk on that path. I'm stepping up on this thing right now, and it's three feet wide. And I look out here, and I look out there, and everywhere I look, there's rattlesnakes. I mean, there's some rattlesnakes are crawling up there, and they're looking up, and they're kind of striking up there. They can't strike but about that high. Some people say a rattlesnake can strike a long ways. Let me tell you, they didn't come in rattlesnake world. A rattlesnake cannot strike but about half the length of his body. You know, he can draw back. I mean, I've been out in the rattlesnake world. I've killed rattlesnakes. And I mean, them things are, they're kind of slow and everything else. You can, if you know what you're doing, you can take and walk right up to a rattlesnake. You can take your stick and you can go over there and get a, aggravating him around his neck and he'll strike that stick. And when he does, you can reach right down behind his head and pick him up and you say, I got you now, you little beast. You can hold him, you can squeeze his mouth, open it up, and the fangs stick out, and you say, ah, I got you. I mean, if you raised up on the farm like I was, you know, I mean, you got to know who you are. These things, you can't be afraid of a stupid snake. you got to know you got dominion and power over them. But now see, these snakes are all out here. They're out there trying to get us. We as Christians, we step on this narrow path. We're walking on this narrow path. And all of a sudden, there's a neon light comes on over yonder and say, Oh, come over here. we got some really good stuff over here. You think, wow, really good stuff. So you get to thinking about that neon sign. And you think, okay, I'm gonna, what happens when you step off that path? You're going to fall four feet down to the world. What's down there walking around? Rattlesnakes. Now then, you're down there in their world. Can they get you down there? Oh, yeah. And usually the first time you'll think about your own way over there to what you saw. Those are false prophets over there. Oh, they're not showing you. They're like one of these deals about a guy showing you a beer commercial. Or if you're a man, it's some beautiful woman standing out front in some skimpy little outfit and say, just come on over here. And you say, woo, you're a single boy. And you say, woo. Would I love to go over there and hold that woman in my arms. Let me go. And man, you forget where you're at. You forget you're a child of God. And you step off of that path. And when you did, that false prophet over there was a devil. And drew you right off of that path. And when you fall off of that path, that devil reaches up and he bites you. And the devil says, I got you. And then he'll make you sick and afflict you. And he may even kill you. If you panic... Right then, now then, if you get out there and get bit by one of them things, the first thing you need to do is repent, jump right back up on that path and say, God, I'm sorry. I let that devil pull me out there. 
But what you and I have got to do is we've got to become full-grown, mature Christians being able to discern good and evil. And so when those doors are open and them neon signs are flashing trying to get us to walk off of that narrow path, we say, oh, no, devil. Oh, no. I'm telling you, guys, y'all come on over here on my path. I'll show you the narrow path. I'll show you where Jesus lives. Come over here with me. But that devil will do everything he can to suck us off of that path. Now, the path's three feet wide. It's not hard to walk the path. All you got to do is the light, the Word of the God is the light that lights that path. And as the Word lights that path, you look down, that path's well lit. It's three foot wide. You may not be able to see, but six or eight feet. But as long as you can see six or eight feet in front of you, no problem. Now then, what if you're walking down this straight and narrow path and you do something really grossly bad and you forget all of the Word of God? What happens to your light that was illuminated? Or what if you don't have another Word in you? How much light do you have on that path? None. Now then, you're walking kind of slow. You know, that feels pretty solid right there. And that feels pretty solid right there. And that feels pretty good, but whoa, whoa, there ain't nothing over there. It's kind of scary walking that path, isn't it? But that's what you're doing when you have no Word in you because the Word of God is the light under your pathway. It's the lamp that lights the path to life. So you know how to stay on this narrow little path. And when you stay on that narrow little path and you don't get called off by one of them demons of hell out there, you don't get out of that love walk. You walk holy before God. Then you can walk on that path. And he says, up here is abundant life. Up here there's no sickness and disease. Up here there's all health. Up here you have power over the devil. If he attacks you... And he may do something to throw one of them devils up there to try to bite you on the leg. But if he does, just do exactly what Paul did. Just throw the beast block back down there and say, you devil of hell, get back down there and just go back to eating your food. Say, forget it. I don't care if you Man. bit me. You can't hurt me. Jesus made you a promise in his word. He clearly said, no deadly poison shall hurt you. So the devil reaches down and gets one of them big old rattlesnakes and he puts him up on your path. And your light is lit well. But that devil let one get right up there on the edge. He put him up there. And you're walking along kind of looking off out you. And all of a sudden you feel one of them bite you on the leg. You say, well, you devil of hell, how'd you get up here? In the name of Jesus, first of all, let me stomp your head. Let me stomp your head and kick you back in that pit. When you stomp that thing and you stomp, don't stomp him on the tail. Stomp him on the head. Did Jesus say he had crushed the serpent's head? Well, that's what we need to do. We step on his head, we crush his head, and then we kick him off out there. It's like that snake that day that I picked that beam up, and there was that big old snake laying down there. My daughter went to screaming. I reached down there and picked up that snake by the tail. That thing was about five or six feet long. He was trying everything in the world to get loose. I mean, but I got him. You know, I pulled him. As soon as he started to turn back around, I jerk him up like this, and I pop him like that. You know what happens when you do a snake like that? When his head goes back and you do like that, just like a whip, it just broke his neck, just like that. And then you just throw him as far as you can out there in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you've got to learn to be tough if you're going to be a farmer. And you can't, you can't be afraid of snakes. Right? I mean, there's another farmer over there. He knows what I'm talking about. These devils of hell, you've got to realize as children of God, walking in obedience to that straight and narrow path, that no destruction can come to your house. 
When that devil tries to do to you what he tried to do to tithe the other day, that's an awesome testimony. He's standing on the Word of God. That devil's trying to bite him. And he did. And he bit him, and he put that stuff in his throat, and as soon as that insulation sucked into his throat, and his trach started closing up, he knows, as a doctor, he knows he's dying. When you get to where you can't breathe, let me tell you, you can't go long without air. So there ain't but one thing to do, and that's call on Daddy's will. Lord, you said in your will, Lord, you made me a promise. Now that's why I'm telling you, you better hide this word in your heart. Because when that devil attacks, you don't have time to go dig the Word of God out and find you a promise. If you got it in your heart when that devil attacks, then you can come against that beast with, It is written. And you're still, Ty was still walking right in the middle of that path. He wasn't out there in the world. Now, he used to be out there in the world, but he ain't been out there in the world in a long time. He's, he's walking, he found that path. And he's walking right in the middle of that path. Just as straight as he can walk. And that Word of God is illuminating his path, and he has no problem. He don't hardly even have to look down. Man, every day he can just walk that path. He knows what the Word of God says. So he's standing on that path, walking in a love walk with his Maker, and then calling Him in remembrance of His promises. And when you call God in remembrance of His promises, what is God obligated to do for you? Exactly what He said He would do. Now, technically speaking... God could have done nothing more than what He did for him. I mean, he's walking in obedience to the Word. He's doing what God says. He's walking in a love relationship with, with God and with his family and his wife and everything else. And so when he called God into remembrance of what his promises were, even though he technically passed out to die, God had to raise him from the dead. He couldn't die because he called him in remembrance of his promise. Did the king say, if you'll be obedient and make me the most high God your dwelling place, I will satisfy you with long life? Did he say that? Well, if you know that, then he says also, I will satisfy your mouth daily with good things and I will will renew your youth like the eagles. So, hey, when you call the king and, and, you know, call him into his promises, he has to do what he said, doesn't he, Benjamin? And so then, but you can't get out there in the world. You know how, how hard it is to keep people out of the world? Especially young people. Young people want to live in the world. They don't have time for God. I mean, who wants to spend time reading God's Word? Not many people. I mean, it's real easy to sit down and watch your favorite show on television. Like I said, many a time I used to sit down years ago when my son my children were little. And I got really hung up with them on Saturday morning watching Charlie Coyote on the Roadrunner. I used to think that was so much fun. Until the devil came to my house one day and Charlie Coyote on the Roadrunner wasn't no help. None whatsoever. I was kind of like the Coyote. I got beat up on by the Roadrunner big time. So that's the way it is. If you want to put it this way, the, the the roadrunner, he would be the Christian that read the Word. The coyote, he would be the devil that didn't know. And so he got beat up on all the time. It didn't make matter what he tried to do or what kind of plans he tried. It didn't, everything failed because that Christian roadrunner, that Christian knew what he was doing, didn't he? And he was never afraid. I mean, he could wait. That, that coyote could almost be right up to just eat him. And he'd be sitting there just smiling, and he'd say, beep, beep, and he's gone. 
As Christians, that's where we should be, right? We should be like that roadrunner. We should not be afraid of that devil. But you know, I had never thought about that till just now. It just hit me. That's a perfect example of the way the devil and us are. The devil is after us, just like he's after that, that roadrunner. Now, if that poor little roadrunner didn't know who he was and didn't know what to do, how long would that roadrunner last? Oh, that coyote, he just, he's, he's, he's a meal, isn't he? He eat him. See, that's what the devil wants to do to you and me. He wants to get us. But we've got to realize as Christians, if we will do what God said in His Word, we have all power and all authority. All we've got to do is walk that narrow path, and we have been given all power over the enemy. And there's no devil in hell can touch us. How narrow is that path? It's pretty narrow. It's not impossible to walk, but it's narrow. It's not the broad way of the world. It'd be a whole lot easier to walk in this room and just take any path through here you wanted to instead of coming over here, stepping up on a platform that's four feet high and then walking three foot. But that's what you're going to walk all of your life. That pathway is going to be that narrow, but it is an obtainable goal, and you can do it. And as long as you stay on that elevated pathway and out of the world, you won't have to worry about them devils of hell getting you. But now that if you don't go there, you can be one of those multitudes that suffered what they suffered down here. Now, do you think there was a lot of good Christians in Houston? Absolutely. But those good Christians that still didn't know who they were in Christ still suffered loss. You know, we think about the people. I think about this one guy that come from uh, uh, Mississippi or wherever it was the other day. He said there was a, his family had a mobile home. And they stood on God's word. And sent the angels to protect it. And they left. And when they come back, there was not a mobile home in that park left standing except theirs. You remember that testimony? Now, see, there's, those were a set of Christians that knew who they were. They were walking in obedience to the Word. Now, if we know that when the devastation comes, and it's going to come. Because if I only had time to finish what I wanted to do today, and I'll have to finish that next Sunday, well, we'll get into that about the devastation that's going to come. But you've got to learn how to stand on God's Word. And if you do, then you can have a storm like this. You can leave and stand on God's Word, and you can come back in your house still be there. Whereas everybody else around you is not there. And I think about Miss Mueller. That fourth storm last year, they come to Florida. We got the testimonies from her every time. She's an elderly woman. She's been listening to our teaching about three years. She walks holy before God, and she really took authority over those uh, not tornadoes, the hurricanes that were coming to Florida last year. And she said, by the time the fourth one hit, she said, "This time I stood out there in the face of the devil and told him, devil, this time you're not even you're not going to. First of all, she'd not had any damage to her house when everything in the whole area around her had been tore up. But this time she said, devil, not only are you not going to damage my house." But this time, you're not going to knock the power out on my block in the name of Jesus. And she said, when the storm cleared, there was devastation everywhere, and a million people were out of power, but her block still had power. Sharon, that's a woman that knows who she was, right? That's the kind of Christians all of us need to become. Stand in the face of the devil. It wasn't God that sent that storm. It was the devil. And he sent it because of our disobedience. But when you find up one that will stand on God's Word, one little woman, and she stood for her whole block. And not, not only was her house not damaged, but everybody on her block still had power. Is God awesome? Is He awesome? He honors His Word, doesn't He? 
He watches over His will. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You for this great and awesome Bible that we have, the Word of God. And we can study this thing and learn who we are as sons and daughters. And what You will do for us when we learn what Your will is, Lord, we realize that life and life abundant belongs to us, the children of God. And when we pray... You said every answer you ask for, if you're obedient, is yes every time. Anything you ask me for, I'll do it for you. So, Father, we thank you and praise you for these great and awesome promises under our new covenant. Lord, as we go this week, I ask you to give Cheryl and I and Christy a great trip out to Midland, Odessa. Let us be anointed, all of us, as they sing, as I teach. Let us be anointed with the Holy Ghost and fire. And may people be blessed. May they be blessed with the music, blessed with the words. Blessed in everything. And Lord, as we go from here today, let every person in here today go out of here a different Christian than they came in. And let them go out this week, Lord, and do great and wonderful things. Walk in love. Speak your words. Go out and save the lost. Heal the sick. And do all the wonderful things you promised and told us to do. And may everybody in their lives, everybody around them, be changed this week as they go in the name of our Savior Jesus. And as they freely give away these mighty things and people freely receive it, they will know that Christ lives in us because of the love we have one for another. And we praise you for this day, and thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.